Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Fearscape, a paranormal podcast, part of the Fearscape Media Network. Prepare to be spooked. (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms. Find out more at fearscapepodcast.com. Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another fantastic episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I am elated to be joined by my co-host who never butters his toast, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How are you tonight, groovy sir? I'm doing fantastic. And you know what? I don't like butter toast because I put uh, uh, preserves on my toast. And I don't like the mixture of preserves and butter. Oh, I love the mix, dude. Plus, when you put butter on toast and then you put preserves on toast, they get like soggy and then the middle falls through and then you have jam. (laughs) No, you got to eat it quick, Josh. You're taking your sweet time. No, if you eat fast, then you like, you know, you get full really quick. And then like, then like five minutes later, you're like, man, I'm hungry again. So (laughs) anyways, anyways. I don't know uh, you and your preserves. (laughs) Um, But anyways, yeah, thanks you. Uh, I am elated, as I said, Mr. Uh, Root root ledge um yeah i'm excited to be here we got a really cool show tonight we have the host of the ufo subreddit uh ben lamprey um i am very excited created the origins of uap infographic that grabbed our attention like nobody's business i mean this thing is epic it is it, it it is a read list if yes. I've ever seen a read list before. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, dude. I mean, he lists like books to go after to see where these concepts came from, whether they be interdimensional, whether they be extraterrestrial, ultra terrestrial, phys- I mean, just this is insane. And it's, yeah. I can't imagine the amount of work that it took. So I am very excited to pick his brain for sure. Um, So uh, please stick around for getting spooky with that man, because it's going to be as they, as the kids say, amaze balls. Do the kid, do the kids still say that? I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody out here who's a kid that's listening. (laughs) (laughs) Do you say amaze? Do you say amaze balls? I have a feeling. Awesome sauce. Yeah. Is that still is that still a thing? Or jackassery is that is that still a thing? Ass jackery is a thing. Yeah. Uh, bass ackwards that's always one of my favorites. I feel like there's an opportunity here for us to take jackassery and make it Jersey devilish. <laughs> Don't even get him started, dude. <laughs> Don't even get him started. Oh, he's on. I thought he's on vacation, right? Yeah, but he left a baby monitor. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. 
Um, but anyway, so uh, I want to go ahead and get moving on and get to our segments of the week here in a second. Uh, but before that, Josh, I wanted to talk a little bit about our Patreon. Um, I know everyone who listens to podcasts, I'm sure you guys get tired of hearing this, uh, but I know I support my favorite podcasts. Uh, I love true crime and paranormal podcasts. I, I, I love story-based ones. Tannis is one of my favorites. I support them. Um, but we also need your support as well. Um, we have a number of really cool tiers for our blanket huggers. Uh, some of them have some free stuff, uh, especially at the highest tier. Um, there's some live Q and A's. We actually have our first uh, live Q and A for our patrons only coming out uh, Wednesday, August 18th. That's correct, Josh. Uh, yep, that's right. And what time? What time is that bad boy happening? Is that- uh, I don't remember. I think it was like nine. <laughs> nine your time. Yeah, 9 p.m. Eastern Things time. Things get crazy with us being on the opposite sides of the country. I know, so. I know. But yeah, um, that, that'll be there, I believe, yeah, 9 p.m., so that's 9, 8, 7, yep. 6. So that's around 6, 6 my 6 time. 6 p.m. Yeah, Pacific time, or if you're in the U.K., it's whatever <laughs> five hours plus nine is you know regardless um we're gonna be talking about that one of the big things we want to talk about is some of the stuff happening with wristwatch um and of course there is a specific wristwatch tier uh it's uh nine dollars a month uh it's it's absolutely fantastic it's um we are really digging into all the emails that we get from the man claiming to be terry wrist uh how far we've gotten in the journey and the clues that he's left us uh, me you olav and santosh uh it's really cool and so the q a is going to be awesome i mean i just put up the the first kind of discussion that we had on on a lot of things uh about a week ago and i mean I, i remember now like went back when i was editing and um like we we made some distinctions there between like the tall map and certain certain constellations. So mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah, there's some really interesting stuff. And, and whether or not, like I said, whether or not you know who ter- terrorist is or or any association. There's still some great content that's happening there. Yeah, and you'll be able to ask us anything about that, as well yep. as ask us just about guests anything. we've had on the show, right. or uh, hey, you know what size underwear you- I wear. How did you guys meet? You know, that kind of stuff. You know, what's a funny story about Stefan? Yeah, but we'll be doing that monthly. Uh, Every, uh, I believe, third Wednesday of the month, we'll be doing that. Correct. Yep. And so uh, keep an eye open for that. But yeah, we've got tiers ranging from a dollar to fifteen dollars. We keep it pretty reasonable there for you. But that does help us produce this show uh, as well as travel and get into some creepy, cool stuff and help us get some caliber guests as well. Um, So please make sure to go to that. That's uh, fearscapepodcast.com slash support. Or you can go straight to patreon.com slash fearscapepodcast. Pod. Those are the two places that can help us out. And we love you guys for that. So, but anyways, yeah. like I said, got to get to the segments of the week, Josh. Uh, and the first one, I think you guys feel this in your brain already, but it's psychic word of the week. And now, the psychic word of the week. All right, psychic word of the week comes from the encyclopedic psychic dictionary by june g bletzer phd rest in peace honey bear um i flipped through the pages landed on page 597 and uh the phrase that i saw here was subjective psychic attack Mm, interesting yeah um so let's see the first word says unpleasant you're like yeah i kind of figured that yeah you know 
kind of figured that would attack. Uh, but it says unpleasant, undesirable, negative mental activity that preoccupies one's time, depletes one's energy, and eats into the physical body. Abnormal activity for that person. Wow. So before we even get into the theories there, it almost sounds self-inflicted the way she kind of just referenced it there. Yeah, it does. Interesting. Um, but I mean, negative mental energy too. You could be thinking about, oh, I wish so-and-so was dead, right? I mean, that already is a subjective yeah, cycle. Or it, it could just be worrying about a single topic and then spiraling yeah. out of control. But yeah, I mean, it. We, I mean, you hear that a lot, anxiety and yep. worry and stuff like that. It will eat your energy. So definitely agree with that. So here's the theories. One, uh, thoughts telepathically sent by a psychic with evil intent. So there, there we go. So that that is a little more subjective there. Uh, two, information surfacing from a past incarnation wherein the victim dealt in black magic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Though to me, one and two are pretty similar. I think they just don't realize that they were dealing in black magic, but it's okay. Number three, negative vibrations entering the mind through a break in the etheric web. Ooh. Mm, okay. Very interesting. And finally, number four, evil forces drawn to the victim through his or her own volition by dwelling on emotions of hate fear, resentment, and jealousy. Now, I know MR Gorga would probably say there's a perfect opening for possession right yeah. there. Well, I, so a couple things. So first one, uh, I think, you, you know, you, you called out the first one and the second one are related, but I think they're different. So the, the first one is somebody is sending that negative energy to you, right? So I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm sending it to you in an, in an attempt to derail you or whatever the case may be. Right. The second one is you dabbled in dark energy in a past life and now that's come back to haunt you right so no. both nope i thought no. that was that was the way i interpreted it no 597 was, uh oh i guess so yeah i guess i guess it is past incarnation okay all right i'll let yeah. i'll let that slide you know i mean i was listening when you read so you know there's you know but anyways uh, i was gonna say the first one though um would that would voodoo dolls fall into that well they do now now that i've uh correctly uh, <laughs> figured out that <laughs> understood the, the yeah. understood there i mean because so then i guess number one could be if you're dealing in black magic in this life um so yeah i mean a voodoo doll is essentially black magic i mean voodoo is uh gray magic so it can be dark or it can be light um but revenge and vengeance and all that is is very accepted so yeah voodoo yeah. doll could absolutely be considered a subjective psychic attack so i wonder if there is an objective psychic attack <laughs> I, don't I mean because it's called that as subjective you know my, you know, I wonder if there's an objective i don't know, I don't know. What, what's the objective there that you're trying to find josh I don't know. Well, I mean, what's the difference? <laughs> what's the difference? What's the difference? Definite, just straight up word definition. Subjective. Ah, subjective. It just means that you derive, I think, unknown meaning or something. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm not a I'm not a walking. Dictionary. So uh, let's see here. Uh, so looking up this. Yeah. So 
So based on or influenced by personal feelings, taste, or opinions is the first entry. It's so, subjective. Subjective. And objective is not influenced by personal feelings. Right. Um. So I guess. So maybe if you had evidence that you were being attacked, that would be objective. Oh, yeah. Know. Yeah. That that makes sense. Um. You know, yeah. They, like the first. So subjective is I feel like I'm being attacked. And here's some examples of when it could happen versus I know I'm being attacked and here's some evidence that those would be objective. Sure. I, I mean, because objective is essentially what judges need to be. They need to be objective and impartial, you know? So, yeah. you know, you try to uh, follow a set of rules when you're well, doing it, so, you know what I mean? It's like it, they it broke comes, the law. Yeah. I mean, it comes up a lot, a lot in UFO stuff, right? right. There's subjective is I see a light in the sky. I think it might be a UFO. Objective is I see a light in the sky. I've rolled out everything that we know it could be. Oh, and also I saw a Bigfoot sighting and smelled a foul smell. So I have correlating evidence, blah, 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 blah. So that's the difference. Right. Anyways. But yeah, thank you, June G. Bletzer. And thank you, Josh. Uh, That was a very objective uh, viewpoint there. Well, thank you. Studious. Uh, well, let's go ahead <laughs> and uh, move on to our next segment, which is spooky news. And I got a dark one, man. So, man, I even questioned whether or not I was going to cover this because uh, it's it's messed up. Like I mean, this is, is real life here. Okay. But par- is it paranormal though? I mean, it is. Yeah. It okay. is. And you'll see why. So the headline from the New York post, uh, this uh, was just a few, a week or two ago says vampire confesses to murdering 10 kids and drinking some of the victim's blood. Yeah. Okay. That's where we're at. Uh, The article reads, uh, a Kenyan man described by authorities as a bloodthirsty vampire has confessed to the grisly slayings of 10 children, in some cases sucking their blood before killing them, police said. And I'll tell you right now, I know in two years we're going to have a true crime podcast. Somebody's going to be covering this because this is, we need to tell the uh, ghosts in the uh, attic bodies in the basement girls cover this because... This is insane. Um, Mastin Malimo Wanjala, 20 years old, was arrested Wednesday in connection to the killings of two children whose bodies were found in a wooded area of the capital, Nairobi, the country's uh, directorate of criminal investigation said on Wednesday. But in a disturbing confession, Wanjala admitted to the cold-blooded murders of at least 10 young teens uh in a nerve-wracking blow-by-blow account the murderer recounted harrowing details of how he lured victims to his killer's jaws before squeezing the life out of the innocent children Uh, authorities said he was a bloodthirsty vampire who targeted children between the ages of 12 and 13 and i'm looking at this picture and he just looks like a regular dude i mean he's he looks like your average kenyan guy he's you know he's wearing his uh, umbro soccer uniform of his favorite team he's just a dude but he's covered in blood that's what's kind of old dried Uh blood i mean that's where he was at because he got caught in the act um but he says he allegedly drugged his victims with a white substance in powder or liquid form and then he drained their blood before killing them uh the police wrote on twitter that wanjala single-handedly massacred his victims in the most callous manner sometimes through sucking blood from their veins before executing them 
Uh, the killing spree allegedly began five years ago with a 12-year-old girl he kidnapped in Matacos County, east of Nairobi, police said. Uh, at least some of the victims died by strangulation and several of their bodies have not been found yet. The murderer is unapologetic over his actions and he told detectives that he derived a lot of pleasure from killing them. As detectives pursue crucial leads to the recovery of the rest of the bodies, it is our belief that the criminal justice system will serve justice to the innocent souls and relieve the hearts of the mourning parents, siblings, and Kenyans in general, the police said. So I don't even know what to follow this with. So maybe we just have maybe a moment of silence. I told you it was dark, man. And, and then like, we'll and then we'll jump into the next thing. So let's just pause for a moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, palate cleanser. Yeah, palate cleanser. But yeah, just you know, this is not the first case of someone thinking they're a vampire or pretending to be a vampire or or whatnot. I mean, this is a pretty fresh article, so there's yeah. nothing that goes into his mental state or anything like that of whether he really thought he was a vampire or was uh, had some mental issues or if he was you know playing all, or or what all the above. So. But the Nairobi news. Uh, uh, called him the face of evil um and, and like i said it's weird because he just looks like a regular dude you know what i mean but, like i mean most of most people like that kind of do just look, i mean most people who do that kind of shit just look like regular people and that's what's so scary about it mm-hmm. is because some dude moves in next door and you really don't know nope you really don't know so he could be stefan's co-host on fearscape you don't even know you don't even know. You don't even know. You get like when he's walking out to the to the curb to put his garbage out, you know, just stop and say, "Hey, man, how you doing?" Yeah, you know, how you doing? Talk. He could be a Waishu guy, or, or thinks he's a Waishu guy. Yeah, or doesn't have to he's be a, a vampire. Guy, yeah, you know? they, they, there's a you know they a lot of man. There's I don't know messed up. Anyways, that, yeah, I, that's oh, my okay. spooky news because it was super spooky, um, and yeah, uh, yeah kind of kind of messed up and uh, you know this is one of those where I'm like glad this is on the other side of the world even though this shit happens here too. this shit happens <laughs> everywhere you just they just don't report about yep. it here I so. wouldn't even have covered it if it wouldn't have been the vampire stuff man but whoo deputy dog that's all I'm saying so uh, well let's go ahead and move to our next segment uh, before we get to our uh, getting spooky here with our boy uh, let's go ahead and move into the UFO sighting of the week All right, Josh, UFO, UAP, sighting of the week. What do we got here? Uh, where are you pulling it from this week? So this comes from New Fork, and uh, this happened uh, all the way back in uh, May 15th, 2020. Day after my birthday. And it happened in Calgary, Canada. So here we go. We were in the backyard, and a large triangle-shaped object flew silently past us at 500 feet. It was coming from the west, heading east. It had four dim lights on either side, and one at the front. All lights were white. It was a clear night, and the object was clearly visible. Yeah. So, 
so short you know but short and sweet yeah so mm-hmm. um just like the yeah and uh jersey devil i think probably too. but anyways <laughs> so <laughs> he's tiny and taste tiny and tangy so it says here that it happened or they the sighting occurred uh around um 10 o'clock uh p.m local time in calgary so in calgary yeah uh, so, I mean, a lot was, of a lot of famous wrestlers from calgary let me tell you so i mean it happened you know uh at night clear night so like clearly you know clear night clearly see it mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it's it's good stuff i, I mean i you know I, i've seen a lot of things with my night vision that could or could not be things nothing like the night you know that th- thing we saw the night in my backyard <laughs> nothing like right. nothing like that since for me so i mean other than the weird thing that i saw it out in, out in the arizona desert with, with my wife but yeah. um where it like just totally changed directions and shot off the other way but i'm just you know i'm looking forward to seeing that kind of stuff again so i'm i'm excited to get out to arizona <laughs> don't cry <laughs> oh i'm not i'm not crying i'm happy sure. these are tears There's no of crying joy. in baseball these are tears of joy yeah i'm excited too uh i i it's been so hot i don't even want to go outside at night so i haven't really taken a look at the sky in a while and uh, i'm really excited for november for when my uh sister kelly is coming to visit again uh because we're going to go get a cabin out in the middle of prescott national forest again where i took all those great starfield photos so i'm excited to be out there again um and just i mean i could see the milky way everything so super excited about that you can actually see it now by the way wherever you are if you go out you can see uh, for the most part you can see one of the um uh, what's it called the arms you know the arms that comes around mm-hmm. that's, that's what that's what you're seeing now i went out and tried to take some starfield photos to try to get the arm and you can see it a little bit but not not as well as you can see it with like the eye on a really nice clear night uh the arizona kind of southwest area i forget i just saw it the other day but has a meteor shower that they'll be able to see um soon uh i think like i don't know i don't know what the date is sometime in early august (laughs) we may have missed it already i don't know (laughs) um but yeah i mean that'd be pretty cool you know if i uh have a chance i might drive out to a yep. uh, pretty darker area and see what I could see and see what I could see. So, but anyways, let's go ahead and uh, move on and uh, let's go ahead and jump into our uh, getting spooky here with Ben Lamprey, uh, aka Berlinghoff uh, Strugan Smooger. That's not right. What is it? Bur- no. <laughs> so, Berlinghoff Rasmussen. Over, let's do that again. So let's go ahead and uh, get into getting spooky with Ben Lamprey. Hey there, blanket huggers. Stefan here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Got some good news for you. If you want to join in on the investigation of the mystery of the recent emails from the man claiming to be Terry Riss to Josh and myself, a.k.a. the Spooky Crew, uh, and his advice on where to look for more high strangeness, uh, or if you simply want to become a patron blanket hugger for some cool swag and behind-the-scenes goodness... 
go ahead and join our Patreon at fearscapepodcast.com slash support or patreon.com slash fearscapepod. There you can get risk watch access to the Terry emails themselves, the WhatsApp conversation about it all with Josh, Stefan, Santosh, and Olaf Phillips, and even any clues that are new that we have found in other Fearscape-related bonus content. You can even help out and add anything that you have found to help us dive deeper into the mystery. And remember, you can also just be a normal blanket hugger, as there are a few non-wristwatch tiers for patrons not interested in Terry Wrist and that journey. You'll still have access to bonus interviews, articles, and live Patreon-only Q&As, as well as early access and discounted tickets to events put on by Fearscapes, such as psychic events, tarot readings, etc. Or you can simply support however you feel comfortable, with tiers as low as $1. So join today! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for sticking around after the break. As promised, we have uh, Ben Lamprey here, the UFO Reddit, uh, UFOs. What an amazing guy. And we we already talked about your infographic, Ben, so no pressure. Uh, but thank you for coming on to Fearscape and uh, taking uh, your time with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really uh, thrilled to have an opportunity to talk to you guys and to... Uh, talk more about UFO books because yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's uh, a big thing I mean, for me. That's a I big mean, thing for us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a. I mean, for real, that it is a reading list. I mean, it's like anybody who wants to know the subject to just get the infographic and just start checking things off the list yep. that you read. And uh, most of our listeners know we have shared this infographic a number of times on our on our Facebook page and Twitter and things like that. And we will absolutely be sharing it again this yeah. week uh, to look out there. But yeah, I mean, Josh and well, I wrote down every book we hadn't heard of or read yet. <laughs> it was a labor of love for me. I love a bunch of those books. Um, oh. There's a few stinkers on there, too, I'm sure. Yeah, but the it, the cool thing is, is it, it gives us the idea of where, you know, these ideas come from, or at least what they're all about. And that's what I found interesting, because so many folks, and you know this, not only in the paranormal field, and but in the UFO field, they're very subjective. They're very, let's focus on this branch of it. I mean, look at the difference between Lou Elizondo and Stephen Greer, right? You've got two oh, yeah. very different folks. When then people like us were like, well, it's kind of all these things, right? Or could be, yeah. let's let's take a look right. at all of that. So that's why I found it interesting. And I know Josh I, did as well. Marvel that can sit next to each other in UFO conventions oh. and seemingly, you know, people with completely different viewpoints go up on stage and then the next person will go up and uh, there's no real conflict. Um, it's kind of an amazing thing about our community that we can embrace that kind of diversity of opinion. Yeah. And that's, that's a big change from where it was. We, you know, we're good friends with Alan Greenfield and uh, you know, back in the day, back in his early days, you know, he ran the zine UFO cider and uh, with Jim Mosley and a bunch of those guys and he knew Gray Barker and them. And then he talked about how there was such a 
huge like fight essentially between them because they were all about contactees and things like that uh and then the other community uh what is it's not unicef but whatever the uh the mufon was back in those days i can't remember nightcap Nightcap. yeah nightcap uh nightcap kept trying to like shut them down because they were like we need to stop talking about contactees it's making us look bad and they were all like just against it and there was just like this secret cold war um especially with you got gray barker and jim mosley playing pranks on the nightcap offices God, just stuff like that because it was such a huge division at that well, time and uh, abductees were like the electric third rail yeah i mean people did not want to touch that subject well um, and i mean I, not at I think, all i think a lot of people in the in the general ufo community though are I'm trying to think how to put this there there are a lot of people the hardcore folks in ufology are looking for objective evidence to prove their case right mm-hmm. yes and and contactee and abductee is very much a subjective uh topic um because most contactees and and and, and, and uh, abductees don't come back with a glowing rod from the spaceship or whatever that they were taken to and so in the mind of most of those hardcore folks in ufology they'll never be able to prove any of that stuff so there's no point in even having a conversation or taking them at all seriously even though a lot of them you know have gone through hypnosis and so on and so forth and have produced all kinds of amazing results so well that kind of you know makes me think about robert hastings i don't know if you guys are familiar with his work he wrote uh ufos and nukes yeah and was for a long time really like mr nuts and bolts um, you know, you couldn't get more serious or more academic in terms of his research tone. And then about a year ago, he released a book called Confession and revealed that he'd had a bunch of abduction or contact experiences hmm. uh, that had been going on for decades. And it's a great kind of view into how someone can present themselves as nuts and bolts mm-hmm. can try to work within a nuts and bolts framework while at the same time their own life is is anything but um people are people are complicated 100 yeah. i mean john max another one who went into it who just wanted to look at the psychology of how people feel they have uh abductions and things like that and then became as Stanley would say, a true believer, yeah. <laughs> you know himself, and then had experiences and the like and things like that. I, it's just it's fascinating to me. John Mack had a lot to lose. Oh, one hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. We talked he, to Ralph. And he Blumenthal lost a lot. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah, and he lost a lot too. I mean, it's, yeah, that that hate campaign on him that ruined yeah. his career. Everything. I'm just. It's. it's <laughs> he he was he must have been a very passionate guy and i can't remember is it the aerial case where he went down and did the interviews or the uh, westfall case I'm not, i know he did I'm not sure exactly he went to one of the school mm-hmm. um sightings it, it was it was the one in uh south africa wasn't it i think that's aerial okay but so I, I can imagine you know meeting with 40 kids or whatever it is yeah that's got to be a transformative experience oh it has uh, to I mean, any time that you meet a group of folks, what, let alone kids or adults that are all passionate about seeing something, mm-hmm. how can you stand back and go, group hysteria, y'all? Group hysteria. Well, you know, <laughs> in the fact, the fact that the, you know, he put he put all four kids right in, in in separate spaces and said, "Hey, draw what you saw." 
Right. And and all of them drew similar thing. I mean, they didn't draw the same thing, which I mean they didn't think about it and plan. Okay, guys, let's all make sure we, you know the spaceship has eight windows, but they all drew similar things, which means again it's kind of evidence that those things actually happened. So. Oh yeah, I mean, and I think the the school administration separated the kids pretty quickly and mm-hmm. asked them to draw what they do. I think yeah. it was. Um, actually pretty good pretty good conduct better than what you'd expect from a shell-shocked school principal uh they did a good job and it's interesting to me because like anytime anyone says group hysteria it's funny to me when they mention that because group hysteria to me is is a shared psychic connection right so it's like you're on one hand you're saying this stuff is fake but on the other hand you're saying that uh psychic gifts are real which because I bet you you're going to refute that one too. Because <laughs> I mean, like, I, I mean, just... I think we actually have a lot of good experience uh, dealing with other people's beliefs that we disagree with, and most of that experience is in the religion field, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, because part of having a religious belief for most people is thinking the other <laughs> thinking other people's religious beliefs are right. in part wrong. Right. <laughs> um, and we figured out how we can get along as a society, despite having those really big differences in, uh, on our beliefs as to the nature of the universe. Surely we can get along while we argue about what the lights in the sky are. Um, I, yep. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think, though, that the, it's very interesting. And like Stefan was talking about before, um, how many people have come down on um kind of where they what they think the the lights in the sky are right so they you know i am nuts and bolts i know for sure that they are um you know animals or i know for sure that they are actual living beings or i know you know so on but um you know stefan and i are constantly what if it's this what if it's that because until somebody can prove that it's one thing and also i'll say that we talk about this a lot too it may be all those things, right? Sure. It, it doesn't have to be just one. Um, so I, I just, I think sometimes the the community does itself a disjustice by so many people settling on looking at it from, a, from one angle as opposed to looking at it from all angles. I think looking at it in terms of probabilities um, is useful. So, you know, if you think about like, if I took one case just a random case you don't know anything about it other than that it's it's interesting it's not you know a seagull or something right what would you think the percent chance is that that would be uh something from the under that would go under the extraterrestrial hypothesis or what is the percent chance that you think that would go under the interdimensional hypothesis um and we can kind of look at people's kind of base rates of belief and determine a lot about kind of their bias. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, it was something that I think is only recently, I mean, it was there uh, several years ago, 70 plus years ago, and it's recently started to resurface is the idea that a lot of these things are uh, already here and have been for a long time. Um, And so maybe it's not, you know, necessarily extraterrestrial, interdimensional, but it's maybe what we sometimes the terminology is used as ultra terrestrial or uh, I think I'm trying to remember um, Chris Mellon used used the term the other day and I can't remember for the life of me what it was but it was something along those lines is that it was uh, already here um, 
you know, maybe they were extraterrestrials a thousand years ago, but they've been here that long. Do, you know, do you still classify them as extraterrestrial? So, yeah, and I think those are really good points. And I'm actually glad to have someone like Chris Mellon talking about that stuff and using these terms that I think to a lot of people are kind of silly. Um, when to us, they're very important. They have a lot of meaning. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we know what the other people are talking about. When you said ultra terrestrial, I'm thinking of John Keel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I'm thinking about kind of the different mechanisms people have proposed whereby there might be ultra terrestrials around us. Uh, and it sure seems like a possibility. It sure seems like something I wouldn't rule out. Um, and I One think the- it's, it's worth developing a vocabulary to yeah. have that discussion. One of the things that that very um, occupies my thoughts a lot is the Shaver mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we know and we've talked about it on the show. We, we did a whole show talking about the Shaver mystery. We know that a, a, a lot of what was published in the Shaver mystery was written by Ray Palmer. Okay. Um, but at the, at the very core of it, uh, uh Richard, or is it Richard Saver? Yeah, Richard, Richard, Richard Saver. You know, his experience was is that he had these, you know, he saw Lumeria and he saw, you know, the Darrow and the Tarot and they were fighting amongst each other. And it was eons ago. And they're, you know, all they're living in underground and in subterranean cities. And, and it's all related somehow to Atlantis and things like that. So it's just, um, I mean, all of that mystery uh, is so much discounted because of, of the fact that Ray Palmer wrote a lot of it. To fill it and in. Ray Palmer is the, the editor of uh, Amazing Stories. Amazing Stories. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the, that's the like, because, you know, his publisher said, hey, if we're going to publish this, we need to spice it up. And yeah. so Palmer was like, I got this. And so spiced it up to kind of fit the sci-fi of the time. But, and trust me, Josh and I have done some investigative crap here trying to find the original manuscript uh-huh. um and have not like the shaver family does not have a copy of it uh palmer as far as we know his family doesn't have a copy we don't know it's out there we know mm-hmm. it's out there but it's like so we don't know what the original text is like what is it that shaver said that he heard when he was welding what is the full story that's untouched by palmer and that's what i want to yeah. find yeah, but so. doesn't that you know kind of bring up the question of like how are we supposed to assess these beliefs yeah where we have no evidence and we have you know only people's testimony testimony that personally i you know give a lot of weight to right. um but how, how do we do that and how do we do that as a community <laughs> well and i and i think i think the problem in my opinion this is my my sole opinion but i think the problem is is that everybody's looking up instead of looking down um, when we go out, when we go out as a community and we go to UFO watch, we're all staring at the sky. Sure. Nobody is exploring. Not nobody. Uh, sorry. Some people, but the vast majority are not exploring caves. They're not looking. Uh, how many people go out on a boat in the middle of the ocean at night and see what comes <laughs> and goes out of the water? Sure. You know, I mean, it's like just specifically looking for that. Right. I, mean, no, I think those UAPX guys are doing that right now. That's my yeah. guess anyway. Yeah. Right. I'd be, I'm really interested in what kind of results they get. Me too. Me yeah. too. Yeah, you we, know what about- say we've got, we know 1% we've mapped of the world's oceans. Right. right. 1%. So, I mean, we have, we have whole uncharted frontiers, right, right here. 
But yeah. I think a lot of these beliefs are coming back around. I think, you know, Tom DeLonge has been a big uh, advocate for Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's such yeah. a bizarre uh, thing that he's really stuck on. But um, you can see that that whole TTSA group um, is kind of premised on this idea of ultra terrestrials. Yep. Um, you can see, you know, how Putoff wrote a paper on it. Um, and Lou Elizondo just tiptoes around the idea without ever uh, really making any strong yeah. statements. Yeah, I think he's, he is, I think he has to be that face. And that's why when they broke officially from uh, To the Stars, it's interesting to see how Mellon's tone changed. That's the one thing yeah. that I have loved following him on Twitter because this new narrative that he has he kind of stayed away from as well even during unidentified and things like that but now that like him and lou have broken away it's like they're both hitting both sides like lou's playing the the governmental military face and melon's like hey this this could be some shit underground you know we don't we don't and i'm loving it i love it in in, you know in five years ago something like that melon said he didn't think there was a Mm cover-up he has completely changed his tune uh now that he's like you said you know left the nest or whatever yeah um he's he's a fascinating guy yeah and i totally would have never thought that but he is especially this year i've just been watching him like a hawk there's uh if you guys i don't know if you guys were familiar with the um senate select intelligence committee oh yeah uh you know i really think melon's like proposal actually had a big effect on the legislation that was written last year and well that's a first for ufo people right i mean yeah have we ever actually changed the law or changed legislation in a way to encourage disclosure oh i know and you always talk about credible it's like lou just kind of seems angry that he got fired right like that's lou's thing but melon you're like yeah, I'd invite him over. Like he, he seems to me the most credible. Like that I think well, fits. he certainly like, owns the he, best yes. suits. <laughs> yes. Well, the yes. Um, there's a special. No, I think was, I think he is pretty credible. Yeah, there's a special that was on um, uh, uh, TMZ. Did it? It was on Hulu. It's on Hulu now. I don't know if either one of you watched it, but. Uh, there's a part in there where they're talking to Christopher Mellon and the interviewer is saying, Hey, you know, you're a melon. Like you don't need, you don't need any of this. You don't need money. You don't need fame. Like, why are you doing this? And Chris basically says, because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I mean, that's just, that's, that's right there. That's character. Right. And, and, and it's, uh, and I think Chris has a lot of character and he sees that, you know, either he knows or he has a really good, um, uh, belief that he knows right that he that, that really good informed information that that directs him to that he feels like the people have a right to know yeah um and you know i think you know again you know the one thing that i'll say about all the stuff that's going on with with elizondo is the pentagon never came after melon right they went after lou um and either that's because lou has more information to share right or or, you know, so they need to shoot down his credibility more. Uh, but I, I think it's interesting that they never went after Mellon. They only went after Lou. So, well, I always think about whether or not um, Elizondo, we should think of him as a whistleblower. Right. I mean, is he doing this within the purview of his old authority, or is this 
is he really effectively bucking authority by um talking to us about this yeah well and, and when and you one, look back at like philip corso mm-hmm. or you know whistleblowers from that era gary mckinnon uh those people were not given very much respect they were not you know really listened to i wonder what would happen if phil corso came out today and told us his story of uh you know releasing uh technology from crash retrievals to yep. private companies would people maybe listen to him a little more um you know one of the one of the things that we've talked about and i've and i've kicked around for and still do kick around is is Lou Mellon TTSA is all this stuff planned? Is this a way of official disclosure without it being official disclosure? Are we as a people more apt to believe a quote unquote whistleblower than we would the actual government saying the same thing? And so is all this it was all this planned three years ago with the uh, with the uh, uh, article in the New York Times. And then all everything that's happened since then has been this is our method of disclosure we're just gonna make it appear like we're fighting against it so that the people are more likely to believe what it is well it comes back to tom delange doesn't it mm-hmm. i mean yeah if we're go back to his interviews from a few years ago boy he lays it out he's he says that he pitched this idea um, two people in the DOD as uh, almost a propaganda effort as, hey, we can release this this information in a way that makes you look good. Um, yeah. Stop holding on to this because you think it makes you look bad. We'll make you look good. And uh, so we're stuck. <laughs> we're stuck with Delange, you know, so apparently telling us it is planned and that was part of the... Yeah. Uh, intention whereas the later stuff from ttsa you know makes it seem like that's not the case at all well but uh, in in the uh in his in their uh investor report that came out i I can't remember where it was but somebody uh attended the investor report which bravo because that means you paid at least 750 dollars to buy a share (laughs) of stock um but uh but somebody went to the investor uh and then recorded the whole thing and then converted it to document form and i read through there and according to them there's a lot of film a lot of documentaries in the dtsa uh wheelhouse that's coming in the next couple of years that are supposed to be shedding a lot of light on things and so i'm again i'm thinking you know is this all just again part of the plan of Mm -hmm. the slow trickle out exposure or you know or, or disclosure and with something we've talked about a lot in the past is the you know the the advent or or um, or ramp up if you will of a lot of alien type movies and tv shows and such is this all to desensitize us well it would be nice to know wouldn't it yeah yeah (laughs) but so you know you do hear anecdotes like about close encounters of the third kind um and you know spielberg being in discussion with authorities as he's filming that or afterwards um and i wonder yeah no i i would love to know guys yeah (laughs) that's a good question i'm tired of theorizing man yeah Yeah. right 
um what what was the what was the group the uh the secret nine is that am i saying that right wrong the, oh the just the nine i thought they were just yeah called just the called nine. the nine that, uh that roddenberry was supposed to be a part yeah of. oh yeah yeah he was a part of yeah and that was yeah why he did all his stuff yeah what a fun channeling session those guys had uh that is like an incredible amount of material. I think that's, is that the law of one stuff? That's the nine. Then it, it's still so hard to find information on all yeah. of that. You, you can know? actually find more information about the majestic 12 than you can about the nine. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, for a while, do you, do you guys know, uh, Esalon Institute out here in California? The name sounds familiar, but. So it's like a new age Institute on the coast near Monterey. And it got very wrapped up in new age philosophy in the late 60s, early 70s. And there was a while where the supposedly, according to their own communications, the people running the Esalon Institute were the nine. Because Mm. the actual nine was communicating with the staff of the Esalon Institute Mm. uh, about, you know, things like personnel issues and stuff. And Boy, does that uh, make you wonder, well, just how much are these people just expressing their own thoughts and attributing them to this channeled experience? Yeah. Um, but Esalon, if you guys aren't familiar with that, you should definitely check oh, it I out. Oh, re- I just wrote it down. I'm in. <laughs> As featured in the final episode of Mad Men. Mm, yeah. Okay. It, it, it's very interesting. Um, but it's like, you know, if you see a community that can become, that can believe something so much that they're literally letting the decisions be made um, by entities that they have no way of proving even exist, uh, that's a strong belief. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, and I think, and I don't want to get too far down this particular rabbit hole, but I think that, <laughs> I think that we as a, we as a people um, have somehow ingrained in us this want or need to have a deep belief system that's rooted in something um right you know we we as a people rarely just have a belief system that we humans are capable of doing and achieving everything that we need to we we want to put our faith in something else to be able to help us or to guide us or science you know whatever it is yeah but but we rarely just put all of our belief in humanity is the is the savior so to speak no we externalize that and you know what are people externalizing that as now perhaps as ufos yeah or you know um that doesn't mean that ufos don't exist it doesn't mean that they're not right right I mean, but that it does even... mean we have this tendency to like take our beliefs and attribute them to somebody else mm-hmm. um and i think that you know if you think about contactee accounts and abductee accounts so many of them were about nuclear weapons. Oh yeah, um, in the fifties and the sixties. Oh yeah, yeah. But somehow the aliens got a lot more concerned about climate change yeah. as humanity learned about climate change. Right. I mean, even so, like Stephen Greer. I mean, we joke about it all the time, but I mean, his movement is slowly starting to feel like a cult or a religion as well, because the more and more he sees these entities and sees these things, the more and more he talks about hope and salvation sure. and things like yeah. that. And I'm like, man, you're starting to sound like a cult here. Um, <laughs> you know. Well, the thing is, Stephen Greer is making claims that we should be able to prove or disprove. 
right? I mean, he's claiming that CE5 works yeah. and that objectively he can go out and make contact with something and it will show up. Yep, every time. Yeah, and, and we've had a string of people go along to his events and confirm that. Yep. And I would love to go, but had... I don't have $3,000. I can't. Yeah, um, no. Yeah, it's 10,000 if you Sorry. want to go with Steven. So yeah, yeah. 10,000. Yeah. <clears throat> but, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's got some amazing pictures though, right? There's the, the, that video, have been captured yeah. during his events. And I don't, you know, that one looks like a flying pink dude up in the sky. I mean, I don't know how you would fake that. Like how does a dust particle cause that behavior? You know, it's not a light flare. It's not a lens flare. You know, it's just, it's, it's tough to know, isn't it? Did you guys see the uh, footage that Bigelow released a couple of years back of an orb inside one of the uh, one of their offices? Yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh, okay, yeah. it's <laughs> it's both very interesting because it's released by Bigelow mm-hmm. and also incredibly anticlimactic because it looks like a dust mote. And but you know Bigelow clearly believes this is an orb. Oh yeah, um, a bunch of people do. And we looking, but just looking at that video, there's no way to know. And it's the same with contactees like Dorothy Isaac. Yeah. You guys familiar with yeah, her? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, I love her. Yeah, she's great, right? Her movies, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, I would love to. Well, years ago, I would have loved to go out for a beer with Dorothy Isaac. She's oh, yeah. completely yes, charming. That. that that doc on her is is incredible. You just <laughs> right? fall in love with her so yeah. much. <laughs> they they do a really good job of uh, making her just incredibly endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you guys read the uh, book about her too, it's also just Mm-mm, not yet. Astounding uh, is, is on my uh, list because I've got it. it. I just haven't read it yet. So. Well, the the second half is a bunch of stuff in Dorothy Isaac's own words, and a lot, and she has quite a bit about being um, reincarnated from her past life as an Atlantean princess. Hmm. And that does not make it into the film, obviously. I, um, I, can, I can see why, even but though i like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, but there, once again, there's like these two sets of beliefs that are in tandem here. Yep, one right, of right. them is like, there's lights in the sky, something's up. And the other one is, how am I going to interpret that? Um, and the interpretation just seems to be completely subjective to the individual. Uh and I think yeah. that's when we're when we're looking at those interpretations, I feel like we're learning more about ourselves than we are really about any uh, phenomenon. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you do you think that uh, and I'm going to pause at this question. Do you think that for everybody who thinks it's nuts and bolts that we're seeing, um, if it were proven to be uh, energy beings, let's say that they were all energy beings, do you think the people who are diehard nuts and bolts would accept that they're energy beings or would they still push back and say no 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 they they've got to be diehard they've got to be uh nuts and bolts we're 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 only seeing the energy envelope that's created by the nuts and bolts craft or you know do you think people would accept if given 100 proof one specific way or do you think they would constantly still need to question their own specific belief system I think that the answer to that is before us every day, that people deny reality no matter what evidence is in front of them. Um, And if we did have that evidence, uh, you know, for energy beings, I think a lot of people would deny that. Mm. I mean, I just kind of assume that they would. 
uh, because it would require a real paradigm shift to accept something like that. And I think it would be natural to deny it. Um, but I think we have things that are, we do have really good evidence for that people still deny. Oh yeah. Um, you know, like the connection, I know I've said this a couple times, but like the connection between UFOs and nukes that has been uh, very prevalent uh, in the late 20th century. Um, you know, we have really pretty strong evidence for that. Not one incident, but no. dozens, not, I mean, you know, I mean, even Greer's panel that he put together at the press club. I mean, that's they spoke a lot about oh, yeah. the interest between UFOs and nuclear weapons. Yeah, I mean, so. hell, I still agree with a lot of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I young Greer. Wow. What a guy. Mm hmm. Uh, you know, that National Press Club thing he did is is really outstanding. And I think, you know, for somebody for me, um, that was that was one of the earliest things I saw that really gave me pause and uh, made me reconsider my own assumptions about what was happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- and it's th- a shame he's now, the, you know. Well, and I, I think a lot of that is, though, that, you know, the the his sickness that he went through and then losing his best friend and losing his wife to the same thing. And, and now he feels somehow that he was the target of an attack for silencing. And so it's, it's, I think it's, it's yeah, that shifted. paranoia can wear you down. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. Can, you know, and it, and it can, it can do a lot of crazy things uh, to you in your life. So, yeah. Um, I mean, there's, yeah. you know, we came, we came back from, from Point Pleasant uh, doing stuff in the, in the TNT domes out in Point Pleasant. And when we came back, for like the next week and a half, we were paranoid that things were happening. So, stupid um, yeah. weird stuff. We're like, stupid. ah, like you know, phones and computers would glitch, and you would totally. hear noises. Uh, we on- are so capable of finding yeah. those patterns and attributing meaning to them, and we don't really know that there isn't meaning. Um, <laughs> exactly. So exactly. You know, we're kind of stuck on that. But I, I yeah. too have have at different moments convinced myself that things that are you know pretty ludicrous might be happening to me i think that's part of just the human experience yeah well, and we I think, joke, yeah we joke that you know that's up oh, it's time to get our aluminum foil hats on yeah. and then we <laughs> joked and created a secret society mm-hmm. called the aluminum naughty <laughs> i mean you know anybody who's interested in this is gonna you know feel a little yeah. embarrassed sometimes right um and i think but i think we're getting past that and i think you know, hopefully at some point we can talk about this without that stigma. Yeah. Um, I mean, I we'll think, you know, the, the fact that it's being covered on most, you know, kind of national media outlets, you know, and, and even international, because there's, you know, being covered around the world. Yeah. Um, but how things go right uh, in, in, in the big mainstream media it it'll, it's not going to last. Um, you know, some other big thing will come along that'll that'll overshadow. Because as long as it's not getting the ratings, they're not going to continue. But the it. difference is, Josh, and I think we've talked about this with social media, the internet, and the way we are all so interconnected. It doesn't get swept under the rug like it used to. Yeah, it's like when a new uh, big news story showed up. Yes, they all got swept under the rug because that was the only place you could find that stuff yeah. was on your TV or in your newspaper. Um, you know, uh, yeah, maybe you had a library that had some of these books, but you probably really didn't. Or you had so, a photocopy of, you know, uh, right. Alan Greenfield design, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, but 
but now no, the internet I mean, is great. Yeah, I could just Google this or, or go to the Reddit. You know, I mean, like the yeah. uh, there's just so much information now, and that's one of the interesting things is that there is uh, Gen Xers, Millennials, and Gen Z. They are so open to this, yeah. like it isn't anybody's business. Um, they are so open to this because not like the Boomers who lived very much through the taboo phase. Though yeah. to us who look back, we're like, ah, oh, it was an amazing time for ufology. Yeah. It was also <laughs> the huge time for disinformation and making oh, yeah. it seem loony uh, and things like that. Whereas now you got a lot more people that are very open to believe. And I just find that fascinating. I think that changes everything. I do think the mainstream media stuff has a really big impact. And we saw that in the forum I moderate on Reddit uh, after the 60 Minutes piece mm -hmm. on UFOs. Yep. The traffic went up like 400%. Oh, wow. Um, for like a good week. Uh, and that's, you know, remarkable. I mean, we're talking about a forum with hundreds of thousands of people on it. But one episode of 60 Minutes, one segment of one episode, uh, you know, seemed, seemingly drove public conversation more than all the oh. shouting in the caves oh, yeah. we do the sunday right? the sunday morning like that's a show that my uncle was like well you have my ear now because he saw the sunday morning piece on it right, right? like <laughs> well and you've got you know showtime is coming out with their special docuseries it's going to be ufo stuff um uh, uh discovery uh plus has their shows that like ufo witness and things like that um that are still coming there's some, there's some new shows that are that are coming down the pipe for i think going to be on discovery plus and hulu so i mean there's even though you know fox news or cnn or msbnbc or whatever is probably going to stop talking about it still the places where people go hbo max and showtime and all these streaming services are gonna have things and they're gonna put them on the main page hey you want to watch oh, this yeah. you oh, know just and, like the new unsolved mystery that first season they had the burks i think it was the Berks oh yeah show. yeah i that saw was, that episode it was great i'm already a ufo believer and i knew that story but i was fascinated by doing these hour-long unsolved mysteries and that was and that episode i read uh on a reddit board they were just people were just mind blown by that episode you know well i tuned in for it i'm yeah. sure it got good ratings yeah. um, it was good it was yeah. really good <laughs> but to go back to ttsa for a moment you know i was there gonna put out in the future um i'm very interested in uh i have they they made an announcement that they were going to put out a show involving um the Dakota. And I I just have in this picture in my head that uh, they are going to go into a very woo place and bring us all, um, you know, into these mm, belief systems that we're not familiar with, but, yeah. mm -hmm. but in which, you know, this kind of contact is more normalized. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people are concerned that TTSA is going to do 10 more docs that cover the same stuff they've been covering. Um, and, and honestly, I, I'm a little concerned that that's all it's going to be, you know, just well, I mean, complete that's, repetition with that's just the new docs. spin. They're just yeah. the same yeah. kind of reiterated right. stuff. But the sad news is, is, is I wish he would stop putting down Lou and those guys because 
there's a chance to work together and find this merge if you just shut up for a second, Stephen, and listen to what Mellon and those guys are actually saying. There's an opportunity here, but he is he. You talk about disinformation, and I I really like Stephen Greer, but I mean he is trying to tear them down. Yeah, um, and it it you. I, I, don't need to do that seems to be personality based and not yeah. really based on yeah. the facts on the ground it feels Although, like a high school like student government association yeah. like i mean it's, it's weird he did a uh it's been a about a month ago maybe he did a special uh live on youtube where he talked about the fact that his lawyer uh, was representing Lou elizondo in in, in you know the whole def- uh, defamation case against the pentagon right. Um, and he was saying, like, you know, hey, you know, he's helping him out, you know, but if we ever feel like lose just, you know, trying to, you know, to go back to the whole threat thing, then we're going to stop helping him. And it's just, you know, I just thought that was really interesting that it's almost like Greer was trying to save face for helping the enemy yeah. um, when, when it doesn't have to be that way. Well, I also no, think doesn't. that the reason why his newest doctor, when they gave out the free to everyone, got delayed is because I think he anticipated what was really going to happen uh, with the government release there and thought it was going to be way more dark than it was and had to change that because it didn't happen like that. They were yeah. actually saying, hey, we don't know what most of this is and blah, 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 blah. And so I think he had to go, oh, crap, guys, we got to go back and change this. We really thought it was going to be about the military and threat and blah, blah, blah. And it didn't turn out to be. <laughs> no, it sure didn't. Um, but Danny Sheehan, you know, mm-hmm. when Elizondo hired Danny Sheehan, that honestly changed my perception quite a bit. Oh, 100 percent. Because was like, if you are, you know, trying to commit fraud or pull something yeah, fast, you don't go out and hire a lawyer in right. the middle of it. Um, you don't file, uh, you know, uh, inspector general complaints. Um, those are things those are serious actions that yeah. um, lend me to think that that Elizondo is is his heart is in this. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the so two things I'll say is one is I really am surprised that no one in the mainstream media has given Greer an opportunity to tell his side of his opinion on things. So, you know, everything that's been covered has been very much from Lou Elizondo and, and, and Mellon and so on and so forth. And nobody, nobody has given Greer a single iota of time to be able to come on and talk Recent, about, hey, yeah. here's here's another here's another way to look at this. And, and either it's because they think Greer is or whatever, but or, or whatever it is. But I mean, I just I mean, if you really want to drum up ratings, bring an opposing opinion on get yeah. those two guys on the on the call together and let them go at each other i mean talk about ratings boosters the, the thing is that some of greer's most kind of astounding claims um the people involved have said were inaccurate like i know you know greer claimed to have have uh, briefed some official in washington mm-hmm. yep i can't remember who it was but that official and his wife put out a statement and was like no he didn't brief us he was at our house for a dinner party yeah yep. and he just talked Right. Um, so I think if I'm a reporter and I'm looking at Greer, I'm thinking, can I trust that this guy's perceptions of his interactions with people are right. really accurate? Right. Well, and I wonder with all the ramp up on this, you know, did he feel like, oh, shit, I need to force this narrative or I'm going to lose it. Right. I mean, that's what happens to a lot of good hearted, true people yeah. that end up kind of 
doing a bit of fraud is it's spinning it so much to try to make sure your narrative doesn't get lost that you almost end up believing a lot of your own spin and and things like that and and it never comes from a place i mean i certainly don't I wouldn't accuse Greer of fraud. I didn't. You know, not at all. Yeah, no, no, that's, I'm not yeah, saying okay. that either. Yeah, um, very much still respect the man. Yeah, no, and like I said, young Greer. Wow, what a guy! That National Press Club thing. Yeah. If only he had stopped a little, a little bit after that. Um, I think we'd be or, in a place, or at least stuck with that same thought process mentality of, yeah. of pursuing pursuing the truth down that avenue but right like like we said i mean the things that he's seen and things like that that became a religious experience for him so to yeah. speak whether he admits it or not and that we all know especially if you grew up in the church or anything like that like those religious experiences can change how you feel because it, it hits you with adrenaline and emotion and and all of that stuff and it it can change uh, your perception and the way you think about it and you, and know. you know what really pisses people off is when you argue with their religious experiences yeah that's like yeah. such a trigger for people <laughs> right so like there's this weird overlap where some ufo beliefs are also religious beliefs mm-hmm. and again that doesn't mean that the beliefs aren't true but it means that you know people are looking at them in, in two different ways oh I and mean, so when yeah, look at those old contactees. I mean, how many of them? I mean, look at Indrid Cold. Like his whole world, they were they were Christians. You know what I mean? It's like right. a number of those. Uh, even Buck, uh, oh, what's his name? Not Buck Owens. Um, whatever his name is, I can't think of it now. But his was a very religious experience. You know, they believed that they believed in the same God and and things like that. Yeah, it's, and so you're yeah. like, was that just how you justified it? Like how you figured it out and made it work for your brain. I don't know. Do you guys think if, if a Fatima type event happened nowadays that we'd consider it a UFO event? Probably. I would say I would say we as a world would consider it a UFO event before we would consider it a religious event. Yeah, that's a big sea change, isn't it? One, um, I never even thought about that, but yeah, you're absolutely right because now if people see God, they pray. Um, they it switched. It really ha- oh man, man, you got me thinking now, Ben. I'm like, <laughs> yes, all the religious stuff. I mean, like, when's the last miracle? When's the last time the church has gone out to establish a miracle? We don't see that anymore. Right. Well, um, did uh, you know the Vatican is really heavily featured in American Cosmic, um, mm-hmm. Diana Pasalka's book, and uh. You know, you do get the feeling that there are a lot of overlaps between kind of c- Catholic beliefs and UFO beliefs. Oh yeah, um, their astrology or their astronomy guy is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I, you know, yep. sure is uh, changing my perspective on what the Catholic Church can be. Well, I mean, the fact that they already have a, a contactee response, right? If, if we make contact with intelligent life, they already have a plan for right. how they're going to respond and how they're going to respond to their believers, right, as to how it fits in with everything that's already going on. Because that's always been a concern, I think, from a lot of people is it would shatter our world religions if, if people knew that there were life outside of humanity. But the Catholic Church has already got a plan for that. So, yeah, they, they are big on continuity, aren't they? You know, I think people are coming around to realize it's not going to have a big effect on religious beliefs. Um, And, you know, some of those anecdotes like the uh, the War of the Worlds story that gets told that people panicked 
when that first came out, it's, you know, more people are understanding that that didn't really happen. Yeah, um, that but, is. Yeah, it happened. It happened a little bit, but right. not like this huge mass people leaving the cities like we've been kind of been told. <laughs> we've been over exaggerating the societal threat of people understanding that there might be something in the sky that we can't explain. Um, that's not going to, you know, end civilization as we know it. You know, I, I think it's interesting, and I, and I wonder if anybody's ever tried to do a, a FOA for this, but, you know, we have the Brookings report, right, that was an evaluation to say, you know, humanity's not ready and blah, blah, blah. And then there's the further understanding that people use the Brookings report to come up with a plan for how they could get humanity to be ready. And I don't think anybody's ever actually seen what that plan is, but I wonder if that's available via a FOA request, so... Somebody put that out there. Well, I've personally had no luck with FOIA re- requests myself. I'll have to leave Dang. that to uh, <laughs> to John Greenwald and the like. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I have I have sent but, in a couple and, and have no had had no response either. So so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I you know <clears throat> I uh, I would like to get more involved with that, but uh, it seems like it's like a real art form. Yeah, um, writing those things and responding and, in a way that's going to get you further I mean, your goal. I feel like it's it's almost like playing the lottery. You know, you just you have to fire off a bunch of requests and maybe yeah. one will pay off. You know, yeah. uh, but like I, I put in a request not too long ago for information for the Murray Island incident. You know, where okay, the yeah. craft just or the wormhole opened up and dumped all the stuff in the island and stuff and. And in the reported in the reports of the of the incident that I found, it says that the FBI showed up and investigated everything. So it's like, great. So I put in a request to the FBI, asked for everything that they had. I gave dates of when it all took place. The article that I found even named like agents that investigated. So I included all that in my request. I get a response back. The FBI has no information on this particular incident. Please contact the National Archives. Right. So, okay. <laughs> and you know maybe if you worded it you know just slightly differently you would have yeah. gotten a completely right. different response maybe if i didn't include as much detail you know i mean yeah no, so, so. yeah but well yeah i think that we will some of that truth will come out um from those records some of it never will and yeah. we should probably you know be prepared well, I mean, I, for that um, i always always wondered i mean uh, so foia of course is the the ability to ask for information but uh, if it's still classified they don't have to give it to you so i mean they, they can just say nope this is still classified you know right. that would be that of course that would be admitting that information exists but right. um it would you know not be giving you any information so yeah you know i mean they're not going to reveal the nuclear secrets because of a foia mm-hmm. and i think we can extrapolate from that that uh, there's a lot of stuff having to do with UFOs that they would never reveal right. even if they had that information. And maybe that's like a wise decision. Um, I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, the last thing you want to do is say, hey, this is us. Uh, we have figured out how to transport machines in two seconds. And here's how it's done, Russia. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you want, and you that, also don't want to say it's not us. Right. I mean, Right, because you want to you want Russia keep, you want to keep Russia on their toes, right? So, yeah. um, I mean, if, if you really want to, uh, uh, my goodness, the stuff that's available on Google Patents that the government oh, yeah. has filed patents for, uh, that you know, if if you just read those patent documentation, 
they've got the stuff that we think they have. I mean, because it's the, why would you file a patent with detailed specs on things if you don't have it? I'm going to mispronounce his name, but the Salvatore Pace, Pace uh, yeah. patents were extraordinary. Yeah. And I would recommend uh, the articles on the drive, I think by Brett Tingley, yeah. um, about those patents. And those are a real mystery. And I think um, if we understood why those patents were filed, we'd have a much better understanding yeah. of what the government is up to right now. Uh-huh. I mean, you mean you, you know, if you ever want to just you know tumble down a rabbit hole, just go to Google Pads and start searching things like interdimensional travel and faster <laughs> than light speed and yeah. all kinds of stuff, and you will come back with patent after patent where the government has filed. There's a patent for triangular craft. There's a patent for you know uh, 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 where they uh, submersible you know uh, craft that can fly in both the sure. air and also the sea. I mean, there's all kinds of things out there, and, I'm, and I, again, I just find it hard to believe that the government would file a patent for those things and then never actually build them. But, you know, it's very possible. Just like, you know, we were talking about not wanting uh, to reveal secrets to, you know, our adversaries. Right. We also do want to give them bad information. Right. It could Um, be misinformation. You're right. Yeah. Right. Because I'm like, I feel like anything super secret, they're not going to file a patent for that's public records. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so they know it's going to go public. So they that must have, you know, been part of their misinformation. Yeah. Of their thinking, at least, that yeah. they want it to go. It could be absolutely accurate, but they want that information out there. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes the best is to hide in plain sight, too. So you're like, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like so, when you look at like famous misinformation or disinformation, like the Serpo stuff, what gets me is I, I sit there thinking, which part of this is true that they were trying to make look stupid mm-hmm. because yeah. they wouldn't have gone to so much effort on, on this. And if it wasn't somehow adjacent to something that they were trying to, to hide. Well, what is it? There's a, there's a saying that goes, uh, and I don't remember it's probably quoted somewhere, but uh, the best lies based on a little bit of truth. And so, you know, how much like to your point, um, you know, is, is a paragraph in that, really the truth and is that truth amazing uh, you know in it in itself so well every single paragraph in the serpo stuff is pretty amazing so yeah. you know one of them <laughs> might be true and right uh yeah i you know i think um the part of serpo that you kind of we resonates a lot and then you hear about from a lot of different sources is uh the idea that there was some kind of meeting in the 50s um like the rumors that it was, you know, Eisenhower met at Holloman Air Force Base, right, uh, with some group of extraterrestrials or something, uh, Thor and all, all everything, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like maybe some little part of that is true, and the entire Serpo narrative is just in service of making us, making people like me who maybe, um, or maybe have a skeptical mindset, just disregard discount everything that's in it yeah. yeah yeah i was listening to a podcast uh about this uh serial killer from north carolina called uh peewee gaskins it was a really good one it's called peewee gaskins this is not my friend it's really interesting this guy's not your classic serial killer where he's like hiding at you know and he sneaks mm-hmm. and finds me he more just killed a whole bunch of people that pissed him off like as kind of he was known as the meanest man in north carolina but one of the things when he was being interviewed by this guy that was writing a book on him 
you know, he said, uh, Pee Wee, how do I, do you lie? Like how, and he's like, yeah, of course I lie. He says, well, I mean, how do I know what you're telling me is true or not? He said, I lie 50% of the time because that way you never know because you've got 50% of verifiable stuff that you're going to verify and assume that the other stuff is also true. But I always keep you on uh, the edge of your toes. So it's kind of like what Josh was saying. It's like, here's 50% truth, 50% lies, and you can't really discern which is which because they, they flow around each other. So really and, interesting. You know, we are attracted to that stuff like moths to a flame. Oh, yeah. Oh, for like, sure. And, like moth you know, to a flame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like Rick Doty is still around. Mm-hmm. Rick Doty is still in contact with oh, yeah. you know, people whose opinions I'm sure you guys read frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like addicting to feel like you have access, even knowing that a bunch of the stuff they're saying is untrue. Yes, yeah. because you know somewhere there's truth in there, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, you know, the, one of the things talking about Rick Doty, you know, one of the things that that I struggle with a lot is, um, we, you know, we had we talked to Kathleen Martin uh, a few weeks back, uh, you know, the the niece of uh, Betty and Barney Hill, and in talking about that case, and and even you know reading Kathleen's book and talking to Kathleen, I very much feel like that abduction case happened. You know, the amount of evidence that Kathleen has in her book from uh, the, the tape recordings and things that for the hypnosis sessions and all that kind of stuff, it's just, it's overwhelmingly enough evidence to say that this, you know, this happened. But then you have Rick Doty who says, you know, most abductions were government orchestrated events. And so which one is true? You know, I mean, <laughs> is, is all of Betty and Barney Hill a government orchestrated event? Or was it a legitimate abduction? So, Probably we will never be able to figure that one out. Right? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's just you know but, how much how much of what Rick Doty is saying now is also disinformation. Well, so what I'd like to do is just take all that information and put it in a part of my brain that I can ignore for ninety five percent of the time. Uh, but it doesn't work. Yeah, you, know? you find that that if you if you expose yourself to stuff, even if you know it's not true, it affects your thinking. Yeah, um, it's it's a tough conundrum. It is. Are you guys so, familiar with like Bill Moore, um, who was a uh, a researcher who got caught up with this stuff and knew he was being used for disinformation, but thought I can make this work. I'm smart enough that I can navigate these waters and you know bring the truth to people, uh, but it doesn't work out like that because you're not in the right position to verify. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to, I wanted to uh, say a while ago and I, I didn't get an opportunity, um, but just wanted to go back real quick and talk just, just for a brief moment about sure. Elizondo and Greer one more time, because we didn't spend enough time talking about them. But one of the things that I think Greer um, really focuses in on with Elizondo and to the stars and, and, and Mellon is their use of the word threat. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, he takes that to mean that they are saying that these alien craft, if they're extraterrestrial, mean us harm. But I don't interpret it that way. I interpret it as they need money from the government. The government is only going to put money into things that are potentially a threat 
And so they use that terminology as a means to get money to go research and find out more information. Yeah. So when Lou and them talk about it being a threat, I think it's just because it's a threat because it's unknown, not because they actually think that they're going to come blast us into oblivion. Sure. But I mean, it's also kind of inherently a threat because any, you know, any spaceship capable of relativistic speed yeah. is capable of destroying our planet. And that's like a pretty horrifying thing to realize. Yep. Yeah. So, but in our biggest fears of the unknown. Yeah. But I mean, if they've been coming for a thousand years, why wait until now when we have weapons to defend ourselves to attack? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good question. Like, right. you know, I, well, I don't think always they, assuming it's the same species that's been coming sure. for a thousand. Yeah, years, but right? still, I mean, <laughs> if any, I mean, you know, why? You know, even if you're coming for 50 years, if you're coming for 40 years, you're coming for 30. I mean, we have only gotten better in our own technology and we only will get better in our defense technology. So why? What are you waiting for? Yeah, you know? no, it's true. If if I were witnessing our technological growth from an exterior position, I'd be extremely troubled. Right. Um, <laughs> even from inside, it's a little worrying, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, so. but or, or they could have just... Go ahead. Or I'll just make a joke and say, or they could be like, you know, like the Vogons in Hitchhiker's Guide saying, hey, we sorry you guys are in the way of our highway. Like, I mean, we assume that they're going to be on the same intellectual level as us and, and look at us as equals, but they may not. They may just look at us as ants, that this anthill's in the way and needs to be moved. And just like the Vogons, their intentions could be more cultural mm -hmm. than they are scientific or biological. I mean, it could just be that we're really funny to them. It right. literally could be. Yeah, we're a zoo is what, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about how many videos there are on YouTube of cats chasing laser pointers. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's sometimes I kind of think that's what's going on. We're the yeah. cats. We're the cats. Yeah. Yep. And boy, it's it's hilarious, right? Yep. Oh my goodness! I, I wouldn't yeah. blame them if I if I were them. Yeah, I'd be doing that too. I'm gonna make a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would do the same thing. I get it. Oh. I get it because I mess with my dog and my cats yeah. all the time, and they love it. <laughs> and they love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it seems so harmless to us, right? Right. Right. But we don't we don't give them any dignity. I mean, do you think that do you think that cats are thinking? Um, where are these laser pointers coming from? Do they mean us harm? Are they a threat? Do we need to file a grievance with the cat feline council and see about getting a study created? I mean, and we don't even care what they think. No, oh, we're like, ah, he's so like, out. look, he hit himself against the wall. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah. I oh, love like when mine hits uh, one of the lights in the ceiling fan, it splits into two and my cats lose their shit because they don't know what to do because it turned into two all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I had a dog that would bark at her own reflection no matter how many times she saw it. <laughs> and that's still, you know, that was funny. Yeah. I you think know, there's I mean, also there's this outside chance that, um, you know, we're we're dealing with a species that is telepathic. And that is able to understand the thoughts of other members of their species. And if that's the case, who are you going to joke around with? Who are you going to, you know, perform practical jokes on? Uh, there's no surprise. Yeah. So, yeah, you might seek out people like us. You might seek out people who right. are smart enough to realize a joke is being played, but don't have the tools to understand the joke. 
Well, and if you, you know, again, to kind of loop your background, if you go through and you look at it from an ultra terrestrial perspective, maybe they aren't even here for us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's true. It could be ET visiting us or visiting Earth to talk to the ultra terrestrials. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at it from an uh, insect point of view, it's like, sea, right? hey, I'm here trying to research grasshoppers and crickets but these ants that happen to be nearby constantly think that I'm here for them. Right. That's right. a way to, I never thought about yeah. it like that, but yeah. No, I think that's a really incredibly disturbing viewpoint. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, we don't want to think of ourselves as the ants, right? We want to think as we are the most powerful things in the, in the, in existence. Right. Mm-hmm. Nothing can do better than us. So, yeah. Uh, I think well, that Alexander Wendt really gets it right when he talks about the threat to sovereignty, to the threat, to the idea that humans are in control, even of our own surroundings, Um, that that's what people don't want to face. It's not the religious question. It's not a cultural question. It's a question of, are we in control? Can we go back to a philosophy where we realize, ah, we're not actually in control of that much. Um, And that'll be tough. Yeah, it will be. So, hey, uh, Ben, I want to be respectful of your time. Sure. Uh, we've been uh, going for about an hour, um, and it's been a fantastic conversation. Honestly, I could keep it going. Um, <laughs> I've really enjoyed talking to you guys. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to ask. Uh, sure. Do you do you have, um, uh, I don't know, like three book recommendations for people listening? Three. You got to pick three. Sure. Yeah. I would recommend uh, Mirage Men by Mark Pilkington which is a wonderful book about misinformation. And mm-hmm. it talks some about the Dodie Benowitz affair yeah. that we were, we were hitting on earlier. Um, and I think it gives a really great perspective on what people who want to research UFOs are up against. Before you um, move on to your, to your second one, let me ask a question. The Mirage Men book <laughs> and the Mirage Men documentary, are, do they cover about the same or is there they are, the They are pretty, pretty similar. Yeah. Okay. I, it's uh it's pretty true to the book. Um, but, you know, obviously the book is more in depth because that's oh, yeah. the yeah. format. But yeah, it, the, the movie's really good too. I, and uh, you, you're probably gotten most of the themes of the book out of that. Okay. Um, my second recommendation would be American Cosmic by Diane Pasalka. Um, I think it is one of the most profound UFO books of the last decade. Mm. It's really well written. It is more about human predilections for religious beliefs than it is about UFOs. But what it what it's doing is kind of showing us in context um, how our beliefs are formed and how those beliefs actually could be helpful to us. Um, so I strongly recommend that one. And boy, a third one. Oh, you know what? I would recommend Encounters with Star People by RD Six Killer Clark. <laughs> and that I don't know if you guys are familiar with her. She nope. is a um, really an oral historian in academia, and uh, she put together four different books that are oral histories of indigenous peoples in North and Central America, talking from their own um, perspective about their beliefs and their encounters with uh, what what uh, Ms. Clark calls star people and those are those are really great and i think a great um 
a great way to interact with or to, to learn about other people's beliefs in a, in a respectful way that's not, you know, hmm. ancient alien style. Um, right. Going to leave you with a bad taste in your mouth. Right, right. <laughs> and then, of course, earlier you dropped uh, Confessions. Oh, yeah. By Hastings. Hastings and Robert Jacobs. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I could give you guys more recommendations, but I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm limiting you to three, so. Yeah, yeah. No. Damn. I mean, hell, the infographics full of recommendations right, right yeah. there. You can check that out, too. Yeah, well, you might say that those three are a trinity of books that are hiding in plain sight. So I just snuck in two more recommendations for you guys. Uh, <laughs> I like your style, Ben. I like your style. Thank you, sir, so, so much, man. Thank you guys uh, for having me on. I really enjoyed it. love to have you on yeah. anytime again, yeah, man. Sure. Absolute pleasure, man. I, like I said, we could sit and chat all yeah. day long. <laughs> it's great to get to talk to people who love UFOs. Yeah, um, it's a passion. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. All right. Fantastic interview. Thank you so much, sir. You guys get to Reddit. Check out the subreddit uh, UFO. If you haven't already, why are you listening to the show? (laughs) (laughs) So I've got it set up. Um, You know, we get we get email alerts from Reddit uh, for that particular subreddit. There's there's some other good ones out there, like the alien subreddit is Mm -hmm. pretty good. Um, And then I also because I have the Reddit app on my phone, I also get the notifications whenever there's like something really hot that's going on i get a little hey you might want to check this out so yep love that um so but yeah get out there uh check this man's stuff out uh and again thank you sir so much we really appreciate your time and your insight it was an absolute blast um but josh we gotta get moving on as we do as we do uh just a quick reminder if you haven't already uh make sure you are out there sharing liking this uh reviewing this wherever you can if you uh review the review this on apple Podcasts or wherever there's an opportunity to review uh, if we don't see it let us know and we'll send you a free sticker because that's how we roll um but uh i do want to get to our final segment sir encounters from the fearscape <sighs> All right, so uh, this week's uh, encounter from the Fearscape comes from a listener. Uh, another one didn't really want anyone to know where they were from, uh, but from the United States as far as we'll go. But this is a listener named Bethany, and uh, this is Bethany's story. So I was in the cereal aisle, about two feet away from the boxes. I was just pushing my cart slowly, pondering the brands. I came to the Life cereal, which is my favorite, stopped for a sec, and then I remembered how much my grandpa loved that one. And after saying to myself, Miss you, Gramps, under my breath, I started pushing the cart again. And just as I did, a box of Life cereal fell from its place on the bottom row of cereal right in front of my cart. I picked it up, I smiled, and I put it back in its place. Now, whether or not that was the supernatural, it's sure the hell still warmed my heart. That's awesome. I love that. That was awesome, though. I'm like, hey, Beth, I would put it in my cart. Your grandpa wants you to get some live cereal. Live cereal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he's just, he's just like, pour, you need to get it. 
just pour a bowl for him and leave it sitting on the counter. You know? so. I love that, though. I mean, you know, everyone always thinks the supernatural and everything is is spooky and scary and, and horrifying. Um, but stories like this, like from Bethany, show us the softer side of the supernatural you know like we and we talk about that a lot getting visitations your your grandpa showing up a lot you know and things like that these are these are the 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 parts that uh people like us are kind of really uh, i hate to say obsessed but obsessed with you know this proof that there's afterlife there right so that we can speak to those that have passed on and and it's like if i pass on that's something i want to do i want to let my loved ones know that i still love them and think about them and Except, like, I'll be knocking off Captain Crunch off the shelf. That's what it's, you know, but. Right, right. I'll be knocking off Golden Grams. I get you. I get you. you know, and then it'll, I'm going to make it say, though, it's going to say Golden Gramps. I would have definitely picked up that box of life cereal, though, and put it in my cart. Oh, yeah. 100%. And then when you get around the corner, you can put it somewhere else, but you don't want Grandpa <laughs> to see that. <laughs> but again, thank you so much, Bethany, yeah, for your encounter from awesome. the Fearscape. Uh, well, not even the Fearscape this time, right? Uh, but yeah, so thank you for that. Uh, but Josh, I want to go ahead and get out of here. Um, I do want to remind everybody again, August 18th is going to be our first live Q&A on Patreon. Um, and to please check out all of our other wonderful podcasts and YouTube shows we've got a new astral stew that's out talking about uh cryptid mating habits is, yeah. is the nicest yeah. way i'll talk about it um but definitely a lot of, an 18 plus show on that one so. yeah for sure um so please check that out and uh share this with your friends word of mouth is the best thing that you can do uh but like i said we out yo and uh, uh you can go to fearscapemedia.com to check out the other podcasts and uh i'm rambling at this point um so yep. i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot deuces here and say hey this has been stefan keep your eyes on the sky this has been josh the truth is now and remember folks hold those blankets extra tight things tend to get spooky when you're listening to fearscape good night everybody good night We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support.